After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Gran multitud, la cual nadie podía contar. Personne ne peut le compter. Elle est comme et alcanasi, le mieux capté et mieux annoyé. Tribush pop with the language. Et us sing hasan or us mimani. And before the lamb. Llevaban tunicas blancas. Und hielten palmzweige in ihren Händen. Si austrigat ku glastare. Salvation belongs to our God. Les sali et à notre Dieu. Que crang la elam, raina, I love. Etinaya fui, pour vos salobois, oye. Every nation. Ortiniam. De toda nación. Alcanasi. Yeah, that was pretty cool, huh? Woo! We are an every nation congregation here at Arise Church Denver. And um, next Sunday, we're having a special Sunday. We're calling it Every Nation Sunday, where we can celebrate that we are a church um, that, that loves and welcomes people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Um, so you have a card on your seat if you're here in person, and there's a slide behind me. And we just want to tell you come next week. And make sure that you bring a dish to celebrate your culture. Okay, whatever that food is that you want to celebrate. Somebody said they're coming from Kentucky. Does that mean they can bring bourbon? And I said, let's just label it that it's not virgin. Okay, okay, we got to be careful where you're coming from. But uh, no, we, we want to celebrate every culture, even if you're from Kentucky. Yes, we will celebrate our Kentuckians. Um, and we want to encourage you, bring some clothing that maybe represents your culture as well. Let's celebrate together. We're having a little bit shorter service. And then afterwards, we're all going to head out into our backyard area and we're going to eat. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have fun. Stay an extra 20, 30 minutes after the service. It's going to be fun. And we gave you this card, not only so that you'd have information, so, so that you could invite someone else from a different tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Invite somebody different than you to come. And you'll have to forgive me because I invited a CU buff this last week to come. <sighs> Yeah, I know, it was a rough night, okay? Uh, well, I don't know about that. I went to Colorado State, um, and I am still proud to be a CSU Ram. Anybody else? Woo, there's two of us in here that want to admit it. Um, but we are commanded to weep with those who weep, so pray for us, okay? No, it's going to be a good Sunday, even if you bring your CU Buffalo fan um, next week. It's gonna be um, fun. Um, my name's Matt Wolf. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'd love to. I'm the lead pastor here at Rise Church Denver, and we're all about helping people follow Jesus. And in fact, we wanted to, to make sure you guys know who we are and what we're about as a church. So last year at this time, we kind of unleashed our, our vision for who we are and who we're becoming, and we wrote it all down on like a one-page document, and I read it last year for the first time, just so we could all be on the same page, literally, and um, you may have heard it uh, multiple times because it is the video that pr plays pre-service each week. Some of you are looking at me dumbly because you've never been on time. Um, but yes, before the service, we show a video every week with this vision. Um, but I just wanted to read it one more time for you guys, um, just so you know, this is the church that we are striving to become. You guys ready for this? Arise is a church focused on one thing, helping people follow Jesus. Therefore, we are a church that owns the phrase, seek the one, because Jesus sought us, leaving the 99 for the one who was lost. We seek him and we seek after the lost around us. Because of this focus, arise is a light. We infuse hope, happiness, and community into everything we do, so that we are a beacon to a dark, unhappy, and lonely world. Arise is transformational. We open up God's word and hear from him. The teaching is clear, relevant, and passionate. We offer something practical and powerful, leaving people changed every week. 
The lost are found on a weekly basis. Followers grow and are sent out to seek others. Lives are transformed. Arise is passionate. Week in and week out, our people come to taste and see that the Lord is good, and they do. Drinking deeply of his goodness and experiencing his power, people make worshiping weekly part of their must-have weekly rhythm, even as more and more drift away from the church in America. Our worship services are led by men and women pushing the boundaries of contemporary worship with creativity and passion. People experience God's presence and power weekly and it captivates even the unchurched. Arise is vibrant. People belong in our community even before they believe because they need the love and care they get in our groups. But they don't just consume, they give more than they get. The one another's of the New Testament are lived out in our community groups, which enables our church to have no cap on growth. People at Arise know that weekend worship is not enough. We all need community. Everyone has a friend at Arise. Arise is diverse. We are multi-ethnic and multi-generational. We work through differences and frustrations, and because of that, our community is richer. We seek after those who are different from us and pour into and develop them. We are in every nation congregation. Arise is future-focused. Our kids and student ministries are dynamic and joy-filled. They love it and so do their parents. We raise up disciple makers and leaders by tackling the topics the next generation is facing and giving them responsibility and leadership now. We create lifelong followers of Jesus who already seek the ones in their lives and will continue to do so for the rest of their lives. Arise is bold. We proclaim the truth and live it out. We serve locally and globally and love people with the love of Jesus. We seek the peace and good of others. The unchurched want to spend time with our people because we provide the love they can find nowhere else. Arise is generous. We are a church of contributors. Everyone knows that we are all called to serve somewhere. We help people discover their gifts, talents, and passions and unleash them into the world. We give our time and our talents to serve one another. We also offer up our talents and treasures to generously fund ministry in Denver and around the world. Plus, we generously share our knowledge, work, and resources with other churches because we're competing with Satan, not them. Arise is growing and multiplying. As we seek the one, we don't just add them to our midst. We equip them and send them to seek others. Every single person sees it as their personal mission to help others follow Jesus. They are so filled with joy that they must share it. Disciple makers, groups, leaders, campuses, and churches multiply as we are equipped to go out into our families, workplaces, and world on mission. That's the church we're becoming. Are you in? Are you in? Okay. I hope so. Our goal with this is to be 1,000 strong who seek the one, to be a church that 1,000 people who have committed to being that type of person. We've had almost 300 now, as you can see these cards that have made this commitment. And we're gonna ask again, some of you, if you haven't done that, to do it today because we wanna be a thousand strong. And we are not here because we are making an audience, okay? We're not just trying to grow an audience. We're trying to grow an army, an army of love because there are 350,000 unchurched men, women, and children in a five mile radius of this church and they need the love of Jesus. And we need an army to go make that happen. That's what we're doing here. A thousand strong who seek the one. 
And if we're gonna do that, let me tell you this, this is impossible on our own. We cannot do this. We need God to do this, to build this church. And therefore, we need to pray. We need to pray. We wanna be an every nation congregation. We want to reach everyone, but we have to pray for everyone. And that's the title of today's message, Pray for Everyone. And we're gonna be looking at a scripture today, just a short passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses one through four. We'll finish out the section of that chapter next week, so you better come back for Every Nation Sunday for that. Um, but what we're gonna talk about prayer today because prayer is powerful. You know, have you guys ever had someone pray for you personally? It's a powerful thing, and it's way better than someone praying for you generally. Let me give you an example. I remember Melissa and I, when we were living in Nebraska, we were going through five years of infertility. It was a really difficult time in our, in our life and in our marriage. And, and we were struggling, and we went to this church conference, and there were church leaders from all over the country. And one of the speakers was a leader from one of the biggest churches in, in the entire world, and, and he spoke. And he prayed for everybody generally, right? Prayed for all the pastors, all the ministry leaders. And then afterwards, we were just kind of milling around, walking around, and we stumbled into him, and we were talking to him personally. And he took time to ask our story. Melissa, through tears, shared about our story of struggling with infertility. And he stopped right then to pray for us by name. Melissa cried even more. I may have had some dust in my eyes too. Because it was so powerful to have this person pray for us personally. It wasn't just a general prayer, it was personal. Has anybody else experienced that before? A personal prayer has power. Because when that personal prayer happens, you know that the love of God is coming, flowing through that person and into you. You feel God's care. So our, our big idea today is really simple. And it's that where prayer is, God's care is. Where prayer is, God's care is. Where we are praying for individuals, for people, God's care flows into us and through us into them. Where prayer is, God's care is. And that's what we're gonna see in this passage and we're gonna learn three different points about why prayer does this, where, where prayer is God's care is. Um, so if you have your Bible, look at 1 Timothy chapter two. If you just have your phone, you can download the YouVersion Bible app. We have our event on there and you can search for it and you can save the notes, save the scripture for today right there on your phone. Um, and this is the second message in our Every Nation series that we're talking about, hey, we want to be this Every Nation congregation. Hopefully we're already, somebody was like, aren't we already that? Like, yes, but we want to push into that. Like, this is who we wanna be, and we're actually wanting to establish that as a core value here, so that's something that we always have as our, at our core. And so next week, actually, the 24th, that night, if you come back at 6 p.m., we're gonna have our vision night, and one of the things we're gonna do is, is take a congregational vote to make this a core value. So our Core value, as we're explaining it, is that we are an every nation congregation, that we reflect heaven by cultivating a community of diversity for all people. That's the language, that's what we want to establish. So if you are a member, come and vote. If you're not a member, you can go to arisedenver.com slash grow and take our membership class, become a member by next Sunday. Um, if you're not gonna vote for this, don't show up, okay? That's a joke, you can still vote, okay. We'll let you vote. But I hope that we will say, yes, this is the church we want to be in every nation congregation. So last week, we kicked off this series looking at a number of different scriptures, but really one point in the message was we were talking about, hey, God wants us to reach every nation, all the peoples of the earth, because that's what heaven's going to be like. And yet, that's kind of overwhelming to think of everyone. So we learned a very simple lesson that you can't spell everyone without one. <laughs> everyone seems so daunting to think, oh, I can't pray for every person on the earth. How? How do I do it? Well, pray for one. It's, it's the same thing 
that we're gonna see in this passage when we're talking about prayer. So you can't spell everyone without one. And now we're gonna see this specifically tied to prayer as, as we start in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse one. The apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy. That's why I like First and Second Timothy. And he writes this. He says, I urge then, first of all, so here's the first instruction for how he should run his church. He said, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. All people, it's that same phrase. We saw that last week. We saw the word all is the Greek word tanta, which means all, every. When you see every um, nation, tribe, people, and language in Revelation, that vision of heaven, it's that same word. It's all people. Every kind of person, they're all there. And we are supposed to pray for all people. Do you see that? For every person, we should pray. And Paul says, I urge, first of all, so this is like the first thing that you should do in your worship service. He's like, you gotta pray. This is of first importance. And he says, you should pray with petitions. Okay, petitions are like, hey, I got something I want, I'm gonna pray for it. When a lot of people think of prayer, that's what they think of. It's like, okay, here's my, my list of things that I'm praying for. I'm praying for Aunt Edna to get better, right? I'm praying for my boss to be nice to me for once. I'm praying for that race. Those, those things that we have, our petitions, our list of things that we're praying for. So he says, those types of prayers should be for other people. Then he says prayers. That's just a general term. That means prayer, okay? It's a very general term. Then he says intercession. Intercession is, type, is a type of prayer, not on your behalf, but on the behalf of someone else. When you intercede for another person, you're praying to God for that person. And that's a really cool thing. Some of you are really good intercessors. We have some of those people in our church. We even have some people online that join us every week. And I'm so grateful for the intercessors in our church. I don't believe anything happens without the intercessors praying in our church, really. There's people that just like, I need to pray for this person, I'm gonna do it. Okay, but then there's a fourth thing. He says, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't a prayer for something. It's a prayer because God has already done something or already has created something or, or, or is a certain way. So basically, Paul is giving a list of all the different types of prayer. And he says, okay, do all those types of prayers for everyone. You could paraphrase this first line to say, pray every kind of prayer for every kind of person. That would be a very simple way to remember it. And if you're like, hey, I have a different type of prayer, you can add it to that list too. I think Paul is trying to be all inclusive of the type of prayers we're supposed to have. So if you're like a breath prayer person, pray that kind of prayer for other people, okay? If you're the kind of person that shoots arrow prayers, you know that when you're so busy and you're running, God help, you just shoot that arrow up to heaven and hope it lands, right? Those kind of prayers should be for every person as well. Every type of prayer for every type of person. And once again, the thought of praying for all people, for every person, is overwhelming, isn't it? There are 8 billion people on the planet. Even if I'm just going to pray for every nation, there are how many nations on the planet? 208, something around there? There's probably going to be another one next week. I don't know. It's hard to go through all those in one day, let alone all the ethnic groups. By some counts, there are about 6,000 different ethnic groups, people groups on our planet. If you try to just pray through that, you're going to be going all day, right? So does Paul mean we need to go through and have our list that we pray through all of those every day or maybe you need a 365 list so that you can break it up? Okay, that might be helpful. Might be good, but what I have found is that when you think of praying for everyone, you pray for no one. It's the same thought. It's overwhelming to think of praying for every nation on the planet and so people kind of get stuck. But once again, remember the lesson from last week. You can't spell everyone without one. So let's just pray for one person. Let's just start there. I think you'll develop and get a bigger list of people than that. But let's start with one person. So do you have one person on your mind or your heart that you will be praying for? It might be this person from a different culture and language that you're gonna invite 
to our Every Nation Sunday. It might be your one. We've been challenging everyone to seek the one. If you have one person that you've picked, think of that one person that you want to pray for. Because I am gonna challenge you. You know, we're actually gonna practice some prayer today. Okay, we're not just gonna go to church and pretend to be Christians. We're actually gonna do it. Okay, is that okay today? If I stretch you a little bit, if, you, if you're like, I don't know, I gotta stretch first, just stretch your hands up real high. Can you do that? Just stretch your hands. Just a reminder, we're gonna stretch your, your spirituality again today, okay? We're gonna stretch your faith. Okay, good. Okay, so three things we're gonna learn about prayer, and we've got to start with one. I have this great quote with, from Mother Teresa um, that I want you guys to see. She says, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time, and always start with the person nearest you. Isn't that great? Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about everyone. Pray for one. So at least start there. So three things we're gonna learn about prayer today. And the first one is that we need to pray to help you care. Pray to help you care. Paul immediately, he gives that first instruction. Okay, first thing, pray for everyone. And then in verse two, he gives us an example of who we should pray for. Let's look at this together. He says, pray for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in an all godliness and holiness. So there is a a good command here, an instruction to pray for those in authority and and we can and should do that. We do that as a church. But, But he's just giving an example. He's like, pray for everyone. Here's an example of everyone, the king. And I think it's so interesting that he starts there because the people receiving this letter didn't like the king. Okay, do you guys know about the political situation of the day? It was the Roman Empire, and they ruled everything. And they ruled over nations, and those nations became like tributary states. They were slaves underneath the empire of Rome. So the king they're talking about is the emperor. And does anybody know who the emperor was at the time of the writing of this letter? A guy named Nero. Nero, there's, there's somebody got it. I saw one fist. I saw a study that like 60% of men think of the Roman empire every day. I don't know if you guys saw this. Like what? But now you guys are thinking about it today. Nero was the emperor, okay? And Nero was not a good dude. People didn't like him. In fact, he's remembered in history as one of the most brutal dictators to ever live. Let me tell you about Nero. He came to power because his... Um, stepbrother, um, he killed him, (laughs) okay? Nero killed his stepbrother so he could become the king. He became the emperor. He becomes king. He continues to kill people. He mastered the art of poisoning his enemies. And he was very good at poisoning people. He also thought he had a really great musical voice. So he would enter musical competitions. And in order to ensure that he would win them, he would bribe the judges, pay for the crowds to cheer for him. And whenever there was a good musician, he would have them killed. Can you imagine that episode of The Voice? Like, woo, something else, right? But that's what he was doing, okay? He also had a pretty um, nasty personal life. He had multiple wives. One of them, he got pregnant, was fed up with her and beat her to death. He also married a couple men, but he castrated them first, made them wear veils so that they could be the bride and he could marry them both at the same time. That wasn't enough. Then he decided to switch it up and he became the bride and married a man. And in order to to make that official, he consummated the marriage in front of everyone who was there. Yeah. And if you're like, well, maybe he just had a bad personal life. Maybe he had some good policies. No, he didn't. Okay. 
He had a lot of bad policies where he would take everybody's money, he would steal the money from all of the rich landowners so that he could build things for himself, including one gigantic palace where every square inch was covered with gold. Because of that, it was bankrupting the entire country. The poor people were starving. Everybody was starting to get mad at Nero. So he came up with this brilliant plan to win back popular support. So he told some of his men to go throughout the city of Rome and light fires, little fires everywhere. And it turned into a huge fire that burned a lot of Rome because his plan was, we'll start these fires and then when the houses burn, I'll pay to rebuild them and then everybody's gonna love me. That's a great plan, right? Well, everybody got really mad at him when they found out he was involved. There was a rumor going around that he played the fiddle when Rome burned. Have you heard this? That Nero fiddled when Rome burned? That's where it comes from. And, and he realized everybody's actually gotten angrier at me. So he needed a scapegoat. He needed to blame someone, as you do if you're a politician. So he blamed the Christians. He blamed the Christians. He's like, ah, very e easy target. And because of that, hundreds and perhaps thousands of Christians were arrested then they would throw animal skins on these Christians, throw them out so that wild dogs would attack them and tear them apart alive. Other Christians, they would arrest and they would crucify like their savior. But when they didn't die at the end of the day, they would light them on fire so that they would be candles to light up the night. That was the king that Paul said to pray for. Okay, can you imagine that? Like if you're like, I don't like this president, I don't like this government, I don't like this policy, right? Don't we, don't we say that kind of stuff? Or at least they say it on the news at night, right? We say those kind of things. And can you imagine an emperor like that ruling over us? Okay, we live in a free country, greatest country on, on the planet, if I would say so myself, that, that we get to live in a freedom and yet we still complain. But I think the point is we should still pray for our rulers, our authority figures, our bad bosses, because if, if Paul says we should pray for Nero, we have no excuse, right? And I think it's interesting. Paul points out like the, the most hated person, the most reviled person in all of the emperor. And he says, we should pray for everyone, including that bad guy. Just so we should say like, okay, yeah, we need to pray for everyone. There's no reason to say, I don't like that person. I'm not gonna pray for him. You guys tracking with me? And we as a church, we believe this. We think this is commanded to us. So we do pray for our president and our vice president by name, for our Supreme Court justices, for our governor, for our brand new mayor. We pray for them because we're supposed to. Like that's, that's a good application of this passage. But what I wanna encourage you to is to pray for your one, even if you don't like them. And I, I talked with someone after the first service that like pe people are mad at, you know, an ex. They're mad at a, a, a child, you know, they're mad at, a roommate, and there's the anger. And I'm like, yes, we all have some people in our life that we don't like. And guess what we need to do? Pray for them. Because what happens is when you start praying for something, it actually changes your heart in the process. It really does. Now, I fully believe that prayer changes things, but it also changes us. It's both. It changes us. And I think that's why the reason why Jesus commanded us in Luke chapter six he commanded us to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. How can we actually love people that we don't like? I think the, the way we do it is to start praying for them. Start praying for them. So we need to pray for those people. 
a few years back, there was a couple people that had really hurt me and I was angry. I was mad at them, right? Yes, I admit that. I am not perfect, okay? I, it was, I was struggling to forgive these people. And I talked with one of my mentors at the time and he said, Matt, you need to start praying that God would bless that person. Like by name, God bless that person. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. Because when you're that angry and mad, you're like, God, God bless that person. Right? Like it's hard to even get those words out. But I started doing it and he challenged me to do it every single day and it was so hard. But the more and more I did it, as weeks went on and months, I realized like I really was genuinely praying blessings for these people. God had changed my heart. I was forgiving them and I felt love for them. Not just was acting like I loved them, right? And that's what happens as we pray for people. Our hearts are changed to love them more. So I told you we were gonna stretch your faith a little bit today. We're gonna put this into practice. Okay, I want you to pray for your one. Now you might have somebody on your mind right now that you dislike, you can pray for them. You can pray for your seek the one, your whoever you wanna pray. I just want you to pray for one person and I want you to turn to the person next to you and pray in like twos and threes and just pray for a minute for your one. Let's do it. And pray a blessing. If you're online, you should pray too. Okay, I know we could keep praying for a while, but I'm gonna direct your attention back here. We got a little practice in, right? Okay, good. We got a little practice in. So now we're gonna move on to our second point. So this is the second thing that we need to learn from Paul is that prayer helps us to care for others, but prayer also shows that we care. So pray to show you care to other people. Okay, look at this verse again with me. So Paul says, pray for kings in verse two and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Okay, so a simple way to, when you first read this is like, okay, we pray for the peace in our nation because it's, it's better if we have peace than violence. You know, it's, it's better to have peace and, and quiet. Of course, that's what we want. But I think Paul here is talking about a practice in the Roman Empire and it kind of informs us of how we can show others that we care through our prayer. So, in the first century, and at this time, the Roman Empire was actually, you know, pretty tolerant. They were like, you can have any religion you want. You can worship whatever God you want, that's fine. But you also have to worship the emperor or the goddess Roma. Like, you have to also worship the emperor. You can worship your God, but also worship our... So for a lot of religions, that's fine. But for Jews and for Christians, they're like, no, there's only one true God. We cannot worship any other gods. So the Romans were like, hey, we'll be tolerant with you. It's fine if you don't worship the emperor, but when you do pray to your God, you need to pray on behalf of the emperor. Does that make sense? They're, they're like, fine, go worship your God, but you also have to say a nice prayer for our emperor. So that's like the deal they worked out. So I think Paul here is instructing the church, like when you gather together and worship, you should out loud pray a blessing for the emperor. 
not just because we've you know, negotiated this, but if they ever like are there and they hear it, we can say, yeah, we're praying for the emperor. We're praying for the governor. We're praying for the authorities. And this is a way to show them that we love them and care about them. Like we're not just giving this lip service and pretending to do this thing that we are commanded to. We're actually gonna do it. Paul says, this is what we gotta do as Christians. So this is a way that they are showing that they care to the emperor, to the Romans. Does that make sense? So there's something powerful that when we pray for other people, it lets them know we care for them. Have you ever prayed for someone that's not even a a believer? Like you can ask them like, hey, can I pray for you? I have never once had someone turn me down. I have heard of other people that people told me like, yeah, I got turned down. If they do turn you down, just wink at them and say, you can't stop me, okay? I I promise you, nobody's gonna be like mad at you because if they don't believe in God, who cares? And sometimes they're like, well, if it is true, let's throw up a few prayers, sure. Might as well. It shows people that you care for them, that you're thinking about them. You know, this is a a really powerful thing to do. I, I have a prayer list. I use an app called the Echo Prayer app. And it just, it keeps a list of all the things I'm praying for. And it reminds me like daily certain things to pray for. And I put my neighbors, I put some people that aren't believers. So, you know, a few weeks ago, some of our neighbors were on a great vacation to Maui and then they got stuck there, right? And they post online, hey, we're stuck in Maui. Like, we don't know how to get out. Like they put some of their story. So I, you know, we commented online and I sent a direct text. I was like, we are praying for you right now so you can get home. And they did, they got home and they got, you know, got on a flight when it was like terrifying. So that when they get back and we can hear some of their story, they know that we care for them, right? One of my other neighbors, you know, I, I tell him I pray for him. I was like, hey, I'm praying for you. And he's like, what are you praying? I was like, he, he's been 14 years sober. And I'm like, I'm praying for your sobriety. He's like, well, yeah, I can always use those prayers. I'm like, of course. Like, I'm gonna keep praying for you and for your family. And that's a way that we can do it because it shows these people that we care for them, that we love them. It's not only changing our hearts to care for them, but then they realize, oh, this person actually does care for me. So I wanna encourage you and challenge you to do that. So you ready for the next challenge? I want you to text your one right now. Get out your phone. And I did this first service, so I'm gonna do it for my second. Okay, that's okay. I already texted my one. And my one responded during the first service and said, thanks for praying. This, this is what I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send a text that says, hey man, we're praying for people this morning at church and you were on my mind. How could I pray for you? You could text them and say, hey, my pastor is making me do this. I'm fine with that. You can just text them and say, hey, you know, what's going on in your life? I'd love to pray for you. Okay, take a minute, do it. We're stretching your faith, right? Some of you are like, this is so awkward. Okay, we're not just gonna pretend to be Christians here. Let's do it. And I'll just tell you, my first, in first service, the one texted me back and he says, always take a prayer, thanks and then said the thing that they want prayer for, okay? People appreciate it. It shows that we care. Even if they ghost you and don't respond, send something mean back, like you might be softening their heart a little bit, right? You guys got it? Okay. And if you didn't do it, you can do it later if you don't have your phone with you. 
Okay, so that's the second thing. We need to pray to show you care. And here's the third thing. We need to actually pray for salvation because God cares. This is ultimately what we need to pray for. We need to pray for the salvation of those who are far from God. So Paul gives all this instruction and then he says why we should do this. Verse three, 1 Timothy 2. In verse three, he says, this is good and pleases God our savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Why do we pray for everyone? Not just so we can have a peaceful, quiet life. We pray because God cares about every single human being and wants them to be saved. So we should pray for their salvation. Now, uh, uh, we did it last week, but I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God cares for you. He does, and we forget it, but God cares for you, and he cares for all the people that aren't here this morning. He cares about the people that are sleeping in, who are sleeping off the hangover from last night. He loves them. Some of you still have the hangover right now. I'm glad you came. We love you, okay? And if it's from the CU Buffs game, yes, I will pray for you anyways. A blessing that I do not want to pray, but I will. Okay, God loves everyone. He cares for everyone. He wants everyone to be saved. So that's why we need to pray for them. And we should actively pray for their salvation. In Romans 10.1, this is what Paul does. And he does it for his own countrymen. But he says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. It's my heart's desire, my prayer. And he continued to pray for his own people while he was reaching all the nations of the world. So we should pray for others' salvation because get this, you can never be persuasive enough to save someone. You don't have the power to save someone. You can't help them with all their mess. You can't reach into their soul and change it. Only God can do that. It is the Holy Spirit that has to come inside of someone to save them. We just get to be the vessels through which the Holy Spirit comes. So you better be praying ahead of time or else there ain't no way you'll ever see that person saved. We need to pray for the lost. Pray for everyone who's saved because God cares. So that's my question. Are you praying? You know, Billy Graham was a great preacher, incredible. He, he filled stadiums around the world, led thousands upon thousands to Christ. He was asked once, what's the secret behind your preaching? He said, there are three things. One, prayer. Two, prayer. Three, prayer. It's prayer. Even he knew that the reason why so many souls were saved through his preaching is because people were praying. If there's anything happening in this church, it's because people are praying. When we say that prayer at the end, you might be like, Matt, I've said this 200 times. Start praying for the people around you that they might be saved. The Holy Spirit is the one who's working. So ask him to do it. That's what he wants to do. That's what God cares about. It's his heart. So I wanna take 30 seconds right now. You can do this by yourself to pray for your one's salvation. Let's just take, take 30 seconds. Think about your one in your mind and pray for their salvation. Lord God, hear our prayers. We need you to save souls. We can't do it, but your Holy Spirit can. Draw these people to yourself. Soften their hearts, even if they're hard. Find them, even if they're lost. Draw them back, Lord God, and use us in whatever way you can so that you might save everyone.
I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, told you we're gonna stretch today, right? Good job. You know, um, I was meeting with a group of older pastors this week. Uh, I've been a part of a group for a couple of years um, of a lot of younger pastors. We're in our 30s, early 40s. And then this last meeting, we met with a group of pastors that are in their 60s. And they brought us in because they're like, hey, why are young people not interested in church? Why are people walking away? Why are people deconstructing their faith? And they wanted to like pick our brains. And I'm like, I don't know if I can contribute anything. Like you've been doing this longer than I am, much wiser than I am. But throughout the conversation with these guys, it became clear that for a number of these older pastors, they had grown children who had grown up in their churches and had walked away from faith. Didn't want anything to do with church anymore. And one of the pastors shared through tears how he would do anything and give all his money for his three, three daughters to be saved. And for, for us to draw those daughters in. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I've actually had a lot of parents of grown children come to me and say, hey, you know, you're in Denver. Can, can you reach out to my daughter? Can you reach out to my son? And I've tried, I've cold called people. People are never interested when a random pastor calls them, right? And what I have discovered and I've told them, I'm saying something has to happen in their heart and they have to have somebody in their life who cares about them. Like not some random person. They need someone who knows them, cares about them, loves them, who's praying for them, who, who then invites them to church. Because when one person goes after them, something happens. And this pastor was like, yeah, and that's what I need. We, I, I need some of you guys to do that. And one of the other pastors at a, at a growing church in Aurora was like, I would love to go after your daughters, but, but there's so many people in our church, like I can't go after everyone. And, and that's what we, we talked about as pastors. Like we can't do it. We can't do it. We need an army to reach Denver. There are so many people who are lost and dying around us. We all know them. People who don't know Jesus and don't have the hope that only he brings. And I can't do it. But every single one of us can go after one person. And I'll tell you, that father was in tears. And my kids are young and right now they love church, they love Jesus. But I can just imagine if my children walk away, I'm gonna be in tears. And I'm gonna hope and pray that one of you will go after them. And if that's how a father feels about his own children, how much more so our father in heaven feels about every single person on this planet, his children. He's just saying, why won't someone go after them? Why won't just one person go and seek them and love them and bless them and invite them into a church community? God wants to go ahead of you and save their souls. And he's asking for you to step up to seek the one. So that's the kind of church that we are building here, that we are becoming. And if you're saying, I want to be in, I want to be part of a thousand strong to seek the one. You want to be part of the army of love. <laughs> I want you to fill out this card. If you've already done it, don't do it. You don't have to do it again. We already counted you. We almost got 300 people and we want a thousand. So you can reach under your seat right now. And, and by the way, this is going to take us years to do this. I get that, right? Reach under your seat, we have these cards and there should be a pen underneath your seat as well. If you're online, you can use this form. If you're in the building, you can use the form too if you don't like pen and paper, okay? But I want you to write your name at the top, your email address, so we can just encourage you throughout this process. The name of your one and then how we can pray for them. Our prayer team is praying through these cards. We're praying through these cards. And then once you fill that card out, if you're here today, I want you to 
come forward, like right now, once you fill it out, and we have magnets in these two baskets. If you're upstairs, there are magnets, so you can put it on the railing as well. And if you're online, um, fill that form out as well. So take a minute to do that. I got a text back from my person I texted this service too. He said, thanks, and gave me something to pray for. So I got a text this week from, from, from somebody who took the Seek the One challenge this last week for the first time. And, and this young woman, uh, we were texting back and forth and I asked her who her one was. And she said, my one is a coworker. He told me he had never been to church and he has been searching, but never felt accepted. She wrote that the Holy Spirit actually told me to talk to him. He was surprised that I felt comfortable sharing my faith with him and my testimony of where I'm at now. I talked with him about what we're doing here at Arise and invited him to church. And this is what he responded. He said, thank you. You are absolutely a nice blessing to those around you. It's honestly refreshing to have an unpushed or aggressive approach to think to this. So thank you for that. Isn't that cool? To get a thank you from somebody who's seeking the one. And I love it. And I can't wait to meet that person when they come. So I wanna encourage you, challenge you to seek the one. And if you could stand forward, come forward. Let's put these up here if you're willing to make that commitment. guys, we're not just playing church today. We're a praying church, right? So let's pray for all these ones right now together. Lord God, I pray for each one of these names that God put up here. Lord God, we pray for salvation. We pray for souls and we pray that you'd be with each one of us so we can be that army of love to reach Northeast Denver and around the world. Lord God, use us to be a light in the darkness. Amen. And let me tell you this. If you're like, what are you guys even talking about? You guys are crazy. Let me tell you that Jesus is the one who left the 99 to come after you. He didn't just stay in heaven and be like, why aren't people good? No, Jesus came down to earth to love us, to serve us, to bless us, and to give his life on a cross for you. Because he cares about you. He loves you. And he shed his blood so that by believing in him, your sins could be forgiven. He paid your penalty on the cross so that you could be forgiven, that you'd be given new life and spend eternal life with him forever in heaven. And that's available if you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I wanna give people the opportunity today to make that profession of faith, to receive that gift of eternal life. So would you please bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to someone around you who needs to pray it for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. 
I need a savior. Save me, forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and to pray for everyone and to seek the one. And with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today for the first time is your Lord and Savior, we wanna celebrate with you and we wanna give you a little book we put together to help you on your spiritual journey. So on the count of three, put your hand high in the air. One, two, three. Put your hand in the air if you made that decision today. I see a few hands in the back. Let's celebrate. Keep your hand up until we can get you that book. I saw another hand back here. Um, Lord God, we are just so grateful um, what you're doing here. Um, in our midst, that, that you are saving souls, that you're drawing people to yourself. We love you, God, and we wanna worship you because you are great. You are the God, the King above all kings. Amen.